Welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We're your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And we definitely didn't just take three takes to get that intro. Don't drag me. Don't drag me. It only took nearly a minute. It's whatever. It's fine. Uh, We are recording in person again today. It's super exciting. It's also significantly earlier than normal because we have lives and schedules and after lunch just didn't work. So you're getting us very fresh in the morning. If you can't tell from our voices and the fact that I've already spilled an entire cup of coffee on myself today. So this is my first real cup of coffee. So, you know, get ready to listen to me reinflate as a human being over the course of this episode. Should be fun. Hey, Jorjito, please don't, please don't rub on my stuff. Uh, yeah. So George, uh, Corinne's cat George is helping us out right now. Normally it's Pat we have to worry about. Um, but George, George I guess. George is here as a talisman, I guess. Did he get the brain cell today? The one brain cell all orange cats share? Unfortunately, my cat is the exception that proves the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at our old apartment, we had child safety locks on everything. Not because we have children, but because of George. Uh-huh. George uh, knows how to open doors. And he decides to make that everyone's problem. He's also really good at if I leave the treats out on accident, he knocks them off the counter so that the lid will pop open and then the boys feast. What a good boy. And George is very dainty and he like selects one or two treats. And Pat is like a damn Hoover. Sacking up treats. Uh, Pat is a distinguished old man and has earned every single one of those treats. Distinguished is not the word I would use with Patrick, (laughs) but sure, cool, whatever. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, so our coffee today, we're feeling real fancy. You're so fancy today. I actually feel insanely fancy. So we, before recording, popped into our local grocery store and picked up some chameleon cold brew concentrate and some blood orange San Pellegrino. And we have mixed those together in a coffee tonic that is amazing. So good. It tastes like a chocolate orange. Amanda said it when we were upstairs and she's 900% correct. It it does. It tastes like we're drinking dessert. It's so good. I love it. I'm so here very for much. It. Um, and yeah, that's our coffee. That's our coffee. Um, it's amazing. I'm going to drink some more of it now while Corinne tells us about our card for the day. Yeah. So hilariously, I was telling Amanda about how I had read something about the wild unknown tarot deck being known for dragging the hell out of people. And uh, I'm telling her this as I'm shuffling the deck. So I guess it got that energy. So the card that I drew this morning is the Two of Swords, which is about blocked vision and stalemate and how there's there's some progress that's not happening. And honestly, is it because you don't want to deal with it? Which, like, for me, yes, fuck. 
absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Let's, yeah, I'm being dragged by my, my deck of cards. It's great. Love it. We're um, also being stalked by another cat. Oh, hi, buddy. Corinne's stairs are right behind us. We record in her basement because we're fancy. And <laughs> this pet, the cat we were just talking about, is currently stalking down the stairs. Just staring at us. Hi, buddy. I just fed you. You have to wait till after we record for you to get fed again, okay? Oh, he understood that. He's leaving now. He understands it really well. It's really distressing. Um, but yeah, anyway, that is our card today. I have been sufficiently dragged. It does not really relate to the topic. Not really. No. I think, no, I think the cards were just feeling fucking petty this morning. So eh, here we are. Here we are. So the topic of this week's episode, we alluded to it a little bit at the end of our last episode. Uh, we are starting a series about different animals in folklore, and where else could we start but with foxes? I want a fox. I want a pet fox. I know they can't really be domesticated. It, just add it to the list of animals that are going to kill me because I'm going to go try and pet them. I will. That list is distressingly long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, are are you a fuzzy carnivore? I want to pet. Fair. But they will they will sense my vibes and they will know that I am a kindred spirit. It's fine. That is not how wild animals work. Shut your whore mouth. I used to work at the zoo. It's fine. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's doing. But none of us do. It's no, fine. It's great. Anyway, do you wanna you wanna tell me about foxes in North American myth and folklore? I do, but first we're going to discuss foxes the animal. Okay, I love Yay. I love As them. just an effort to explain why foxes are ubiquitous across so many different cultures. Awesome. I'm here um, for this. Because I can't think of a single culture that I know folklore from that I can't pull a fox story from. Oh, absolutely. They're everywhere. Um, and I'll try to make this quick because I know no one listens to my segment for facts. People are in it <laughs> for story time. My research is secondary. I understand this. We're how we both roll. Yes. So true foxes or any animal in the genus Vulpes can be found on every continent except Antarctica. Makes sense. Um, although if we're being thorough here, I do have to mention that they are not a native species to Australia. They were introduced in 1855 because the British aristocracy can't go like a month without their preferred blood stort. Blood stort? Blood stort. <laughs> I will have more coffee as this episode goes along, guys, and we'll continue to not be able to talk. English is hard. It is. Uh, but they're found every continent okay. except Antarctica, and they're found in every biome except for, like, jungle rainforest. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And they are everywhere. I love them. Uh, and they really enjoy picking at the scraps that humans leave around mm. because every animal is an opportunistic feeder. Yeah. Especially if you start encroaching on their environment as yeah. we are more and more and more. I, I have a very special place in my heart for urban wildlife because I love how they've carved niches for themselves mm -hmm. amongst human civilization. And it just... Animals are great, y'all. I love the little foxes that have their dens in uh, Cave Hill Cemetery mm -hmm. because, you know, everyone's like, they're going to eat the geese. They are not. 
have you met those fucking geese? Have you seen the size of geese and the size of the swans in comparison to a fox? Yeah. That is not happening. There's a reason my sister's fear of geese was sparked at Cave Hill. Yeah, and the geese are proud of that. Um, And one reason that I think foxes are a little unsettling to people is their cry. Yeah, that's a bit creepy. It Any horror movie sound of a ghostly whale cannot compare to the sound of an actual fox screaming in the night when you can't see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's my tiny little segment about foxes as animals. They're super cute. Love them. Um, so story time that you guys actually care about. Yay, stories! Tell me stories! We are going to talk about the creation story from the Achomawi people who traditionally live in northeastern California and Oregon. Okay. Um, and apologies in advance, guys. I'm getting really whole, really wholesome again with this episode. Aww. I'll go back to form later. It's fine. Uh, so the story begins with, in the beginning... All was water. Mm-hmm. A cloud formed and became coyote. And then a fog rose over the wall. Well, oh my God, I cannot talk today. <laughs> and then a fog rose over the water and became silver fox. And I just love the way that this next line was written from the Journal of American Folklore's version of this story, mm-hmm. which is, quote, they became persons then they thought. Oh. Oh. And I just, I love that. That's beautiful. Okay. Oh. So together they thought up a canoe, which appeared and became their home. And just the two of them, they drifted through the watery world for years, Mm. just enjoying each other's company and this lasted until the canoe grew old and moss covered. Okay. And at that point, great conversationalists, though they both were, they were bored. <laughs> so Silver Fox tells Coyote to go to sleep, which Coyote's like, man, naps are great. Naps are great. And he does. Uh, Silver Fox, still bored and unable to sleep. Decides to comb Coyote's fur. Aww. And he saves all of the fur that comes off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once a large pile forms, he balls it up until it gets like a putty type consistency. Okay. Which he then rolls and flattens out. And once it's as flat as it can get, he throws it out across the water and starts to think again. And he thinks... A tree should go here. Okay. A shrub should go here. Okay. Fish should go there. Etc. Etc. Until the world is formed from Coyote's fur. Interesting. The boat then eventually crashes into the land that had formed, waking Coyote up. Okay. And naturally, Coyote's like, wait, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) I have literally never seen land before in my life. Oh, buddy. And Silver Fox, not wanting to admit to the things that he did while bored, which, like, yeah, <laughs> mood. Yeah. <laughs> mm. He's like, I I don't know. We just floated here. Things that, that's not weird. You're weird. 
<laughs> I'm going to get out because you're being really weird right now, Coyote, with all of your questions. Oh, no. Um, so the two go out onto land. They build a sweat tent. And then after a couple days, decide that this world is a little bit boring with, with just the two of them. Yeah, that's fair. So they make little stick versions of all of the animals on the earth. Oh, my whole heart. And they stick them in the ground. And that's what brings them to life. Oh, I, my whole heart. I love that so much. And that's how the world was created. I, that's, I love that creation story. That's wonderful. I've never heard that one. And it makes sense to me that everything would come from coyote's fur. Because when you think about it, coyotes are little scavengers. And they are going to be one of the easier animals to get larger pelts from. Mm. Because, unfortunately, scavengers are very easy to catch. Yes. Uh, So it would make sense that in, you know, northeastern California and Oregon, it gets very cold. It gets very rainy. Having the pelts of these animals that will keep the rain off of you Mm. and will keep you warm... You know, it it would make sense that that would become such an important part of your everyday life that obviously, yeah, it's where everything comes from. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So in addition to, you know, creating the world, Mm -hmm. this version of Silver Fox uh, brought fire to the world. Love that. Helped separate day from night. Okay. Because originally there was only darkness. Mm -hmm. And... In one really funny story, uh, argued with Coyote about how long winter should be. (laughs) Because Coyote thought that there should be 10 moons of winter. No, fuck that. Right? And Silver Fox was like, hey, buddy, how? People will literally starve to death if winter goes on that long. Which, yes, we will. And Coyote countered this by saying that people could just eat dirt soup during the winter. That's right. And that dirt soup combined with snow would be more than enough sustenance to keep all creatures alive. Which, again, no. No, we cannot survive on snow and dirt soup, sir. Childhood me certainly would have attempted it. You know, it makes me wonder, and I have nothing to back this up, and Coyote in this area of the country is not an unkind being. Mm-hmm. So it's very rude of me probably to posit that this little scavenger was hoping people would die over the winter so that he would have enough food. But again, very unkind of me. Uh, they bickered back and forth for ages until finally Silver Fox yelled <laughs> that he was like, I am sick of your nonsense, Coyote. Oh there will God. be one moon each for spring and fall and two moons for winter. And that's it. Yeah, he's correct. Winter is ass. I hate the cold. Yes. And uh, that's my segment. And I love that. That's so cute and wholesome. And I right? might ruin it a little bit. I am slightly less wholesome. I have some theories that I'll touch on next episode about why some of the animal folklore we're going to be covering is much more wholesome in North America Mm. than it is in other civilizations. Yes. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, I am 
super stoked that we were doing this because I fucking love animals. I, I did spend my formative years in the zoo. Um, and as Amanda touched on, foxes are found across the globe. Hey, that was a big jump, Pat. Good job. <laughs> um, oh, and now my cat is clawing at the furniture. Love that for me. Um, anyway, I love that often they are trickster spirits in a lot of folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because they are so clever and they have found that way to to carve their niche around humans. Um, so that just kind of like, to me, that makes sense because they're so clever at getting what they need. Why not right. be trickster spirits? Right. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna kind of like bop around the world a little bit. Okay. Uh, briefly, I would be remiss in my duties as a French nerd if I did not at least touch upon Reynard the Fox, uh, who was an anthropomorphic fox who cropped up in a lot of folktales in Europe from the Middle Ages. Uh, you find them in Germany, you find them in England, you find them in France, you find them in uh, the Netherlands. I didn't realize it was quite so widespread. Very widespread. Um, in fact, the tales of Reynard or Reynard was another spelling that you would see, were so popular in France that over time, the word for fox actually shifted. Originally, the word was goupil, which was based on the Latin vulpin. Uh, right. the, the G-U-I versus V-U is from a shift between the Gallic languages and Latinic languages. So that's where you get the, the goup instead of the vulp. Uh, and in contemporary French, le renard is the fox because of the stories of Reynard the fox. That is wild. Is that not amazing? I love that. I love that linguistic shift. It makes me very happy. Um, now, Reynard was also part of a whole cast of animal characters who frequently cropped up in all of these stories. Um, there was a fox, there was a badger, there's Chanticleer the rooster, uh, and I will probably have opportunities to touch more on those at a later date. Another little linguistic aside that I found while I was diving into this research is this little gem that I found on Wikipedia. The word shenanigan, a deceitful confidence trick or mischief, is considered to be derived from the Irish expression that I'm not going to try and pronounce because I am fucking bad at Gaelic, <laughs> uh, which means I play the fox. Amazing. Right? Amazing. And now I really want a burger from shenanigans. Mm, that sounds really good. Um, and then... Now, I, I feel like we've we've mentioned before I'm a bit of a weeb. No. I watch way too much anime. Uh, I need to have my main focus be on three East Asian variants of folkloric foxes. Okay. Like, just obviously. So we've got the Kitsune of Japan, the Gumiho of Korea, and Huli Jing of China. Of these, I did not know about the Chinese. That one I did know briefly about, but I don't. I think where I've seen it, it's been muddled together with other versions. Probably. So, um, I'm the, I'm so good at English. So most scholars agree that the Huli Jing served as the template or inspiration for both Kitsune and the Gumiho. Okay. So I'm actually going to start with that, uh, cause this is the one I knew the least about. So Huli Jing first crop up in a piece called classic of mountain and seas or Shanghai Jiang which was written during the Warring States period. Uh, depending on the stories at hand, they can be benevolent or malevolent, much like people. 
Much like foxes in a lot of folklore. Indeed. So as time went on, the worship of fox spirits became very common. Uh, in the Tang Dynasty, it was assumed that villages needed fox demons in order to even be properly established, which, again, I love that connection between foxes and civilization. Amazing. Uh, and then during the Song Dynasty, they tried to outlaw worship of fox spirits, which didn't work. Like, it just did not take. No, no. Outlawing any religious beliefs. Doesn't always go very well. Just really doesn't work. And China keeps doing it. They do. They do. Um, anyway, Chinese fox spirits often take the form of beautiful women. And stories of men taking these fox spirits as brides are not uncommon. Uh, while I was doing my research, I found an article from the Journal of Asian Folklore Studies, published in 1985, that drew comparisons between Chinese folktales about fox wives and similar stories from Inuit culture. I actually almost covered the... I wasn't too bored, so I didn't get too deep into it. Um, What I thought was really interesting is this particular article tied both of these stories into the larger folklore motif of the Swan Wives. Okay. Uh, Just kind of using the Arne Thompson Index to kind of shoehorn in these stories. Right. uh, And to put them into a larger context. Um, Side note, seriously, get a library card, y'all. Uh... I can't afford a JSTOR subscription, but I'm still able to access all of this information because I've got an LFPL card. It's what I did for most of my research for next episode. Um, honestly, a lot of mine comes from that as well. Uh, so going back to that classic of mountain and sea, the region that Huli Jing come from may actually have been an allusion to a region now known as Korea. So that's going to bring us to the Gumiho. Uh, in contemporary Korean folklore, Gumiho are largely malevolent. They are not often nice. Interesting. Um, They are usually able to transform into very beautiful women, and they want to eat humans' hearts and or livers. You know, those two organs are incredibly nutritious. They're very high, uh, high in calorie content. They're they're good for you. Vitamins, yes. Somewhat unsurprisingly, Gumiho are very, very popular in K dramas. No, (laughs) like. There's all the, the Wikipedia page lists several examples. Well, um, if you could send me the link to that Wikipedia page, because it's in my notes. I'm gonna look yeah. up some. We need to K-dramas. start a K drama watch. Oh God, we we need to do so many things. Anyway, um, one of the things that is very unique about Gumiho is that they possess something called a fox marble or a fox pearl, which is I'm sorry, my Korean is terrible. Yawo gazelle. In Korean. And this bead is what gives them their knowledge and their power. I have heard of this before. I don't know if I ever... Maybe. If I've ever seen it as connected to a Korean Mm. piece of folklore. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, cat's got the zoomies. Okay. Um, So, according to legends, humans can actually acquire the fox pearl or the fox marble. Uh, essentially by making out with the gumiho. And, like, tongue's got to be involved. I love this. <laughs> uh, way to be specific. You got to use the tongue. And the fox pearl will be slipped into the human's mouth, and the human needs to swallow it before the fox can take it back. Um, and kind of like a side note, as I was doing research for next episode, I was on Terry Windling's blog again, and I found her p- posts on uh, foxes and folklore while I was at it, because she's got several articles about Mm -hmm. 
animals and folklore across the globe. Um, and she cited an essay by the folklorist Heinz Insu Finkel that caught my eye. And he's talking about traditional Gumiho stories from Korea. And he made a link between the victims of Gumiho, who, in addition to having their hearts and livers eaten, frequently have their energy drained. Uh, and he was connecting that to the victims in Keats' poem, La Belle Dame Sans Merci, which was very interesting. I'm like, oh, I want to explore that some more. Yeah. Uh, I do have links to both Windling's and Finkel's essays in my notes. Okay. Because they're amazing. I highly recommend them. And in case, not to take away from your segment, in case people weren't aware, we do put our notes up on our website. So if you're ever interested in anything that we talk about being linked in our notes, please go to the site. Click on them. You can read the essay yourself. Yeah, we've got uh, a section. You can actually listen to us from the site if you feel like it. If you're like, man, you know, I'm not feeling using an app today. You can listen to it on the site. And then I have an entire section that is just our episode notes. And we have them for every single episode. Yes. Um, anyway, so going back to the Gumiho. In addition to their contemporary reputation, quite a lot of older folklore also presents the Gumiho as a threat. Uh, there are a few variants where they are if not benevolent, then not outright murderous. Um, And I did see a theory, and I could not confirm this based on my research, that the reason Gumiho are only malevolent these days is actually due to anti-Japanese sentiment after the invasion and colonization of the Korean Peninsula. I believe that. Same, same. That was not a great time. No, it absolutely was not. Um... So that will actually bring me to the Japanese variant, the Kitsune. Uh, you might remember from the Cursed Nature episode, I talked about Tamamonomai, who is a Kitsune who is out to kill an emperor. So you might remember, Kitty Cat, do you have to dig in the litter box right at this moment? He wasn't even digging in it. He was literally taking his paw to just scrape inside of it while the rest of his body was out. I hate that bastard. I don't. I don't hate him. I love him. But he's really obnoxious. Uh, so yeah, so as you can guess from the story of Tama Monomai, sometimes Kitsune are uh, pretty malevolent. Yeah. Uh, however, like their Chinese kin, the Huli Jing, Kitsune run the gamut from benevolent to ambiguous to outright malevolent. Uh, they are also natural shapeshifters. They also frequently turn themselves into uh, beautiful women. I don't know if you're sensing a theme here. <laughs> none. None at all. Uh, yeah. So... That's pretty fun. In addition to being shapeshifters, Kitsune are also considered to be the messengers of the deity Inari. Inari is one of the key deities in Shintoism and has carved a place for themselves in Buddhist theology, though Buddhist and Shinto theologians do try and discourage this practice. But it's it's so common. Uh, I think something like one third of all of the temples in uh, Japan are dedicated to Inari. Really? Yeah. That's huge. And that's only accounting for the temples that have a full-time priest. It's very common. Inari is a very personal god. Mm -hmm. Lots of people worship Inari. Uh, I am using they-them pronouns only because Inari can be seen as a woman, can be seen as a man, and can be seen as someone of ambiguous gender. Um, So it really depends on what stories you're reading at any given time. So, uh, yeah, that is... What I've got, because I really like foxes. I wonder if part of the reason that foxes are seen as women is because of that fox cry sounding 
I, I've seen fox cries described as sounding like a woman wailing. Yeah. And so I'm wondering how much of it comes from that. I don't know, because the essay by Fingal actually posited that, A, the stories from China, Japan, and Korea have a similar root in Indian folklore that traveled east. I know directions. Traveled east. Um, but also interrelated that with Sumerian stories of Lamia. Oh. I like he made some interesting parallels between snake women and fox women. It's a wild essay. I am going to read that like today. Yeah, I will I will send you the link separately. Because I'm also going to send you the um, the JSTOR article that I read, and I've got another article for you. It's the one that I was texting you about last night while drinking too much wine and crying over folklore. Yes. <laughs> guys, guys, please support us so I can make this my full-time job and just get <laughs> wine drunk and cry over folklore all day, every day. Oh, your poor liver. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> But yeah, that's my segment. I, oops, I just uh, dropped a, a, a coaster. That's what those are called. Guys, this is great. Uh, you are seeing real time why morning recordings are probably not going to happen very often. Yeah, <laughs> this is so. Uh, there, there's going to be some blooper material. I need to start a blooper section on the site. Oof. I have a lot of bloopers and I just... If they're real good, I save them. A lot of my editing is, like, shortening the weird pauses where we're trying to think of words, taking out the ums and the uhs and the weird mouth sounds. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we say the most stupid shit. And it's funny, but it doesn't really work for the episode. And I don't want to get rid of it. Because we're funny. Maybe it can be a newsletter thing. Yeah, we have talked about the potentiality of doing a newsletter. Uh, listeners, let us know if you guys think that you would want a monthly newsletter from us with links to outtakes and us rambling about what we've been learning about. And and potentially something that we've thought about. Not sure if people would be interested. Let us know. Uh, bringing up bits of pop culture that take their influence from the episode topics that we've recently covered. Yeah. Just let us know if that's something that you guys would be interested in, because I'd love to do it, but I also don't want to flood your inbox with things that you're not going to read. Yeah. But like, for example, if you'd love a list of K-dramas that talk about <laughs> Fox women, we could do that for you. Yeah. This is, this is a very doable thing. We can, we can hook y'all up. All right. Well, again, thank you guys for listening. Um, Glad Corinne was able to bring the creeps this time since I went super wholesome. Uh, but yeah, I don't have anything else to add, do you? I, I do not. All right. We will talk to you guys next time. Sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares. Good night. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Sean and McGuire. Copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at graveyardcoffeetalkpod.
or on Twitter at TalkRadio.